Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the latest in an occasional series of readings brought to you by the TLS. I'm Alan Jenkins. Clive James, who has just been awarded the President's Medal of the British Academy for his contribution to British cultural life, is loved by millions of readers because he makes them laugh, preeminently in unreliable memoirs about his early years and its sequels, and in weekly television columns that were followed more passionately than the programmes they celebrated or derided. In the 1970s, he also wrote, in four mock epic poems that began with Peregrine Pryke's pilgrimage through the London literary world, some of the best comic verse of our time. At the very start of his career, readers of the TLS and other journals would have seen another side of James, one that has been once more to the fore over the past decade, the literary critic and cultural commentator of extraordinary wit, acuity and erudition, and, in this paper especially, the poet of haunting elegiac power, who with great directness and eloquence confronts mortality, the errors and regrets of a lifetime, and memories of a homeland he will not see again. Here, he reads a selection of poems that were first published in the TLS. These are a few poems that I've written recently. The first one is called Sentenced to life. Sentenced to life. I sleep face up as though ice-bound, lest I should cough the night away. And when I walk the mile to town, I show the right technique for wading through deep clay. A sad man, sorrier than he can say. But surely not so guilty he should die each day from knowing that his race is run. My sin was to be faithless. I would lie as if I could be true to everyone at once, and all the damage that was done was in the name of love, or so I thought. I might have met my death believing this, but no, there was a lesson to be taught. Now, not just old, but ill, with much amiss, I see things with a whole new emphasis. My daughter's garden has a goldfish pool with six fish, each a little finger long. I stand and watch them following their rule of never touching, never going wrong, trajectories as perfect as plain song. Once I would not have noticed, nor have known 
the name for Japanese anemones, so pale, so frail. But now I catch the tone of leaves. No birds can touch down in the trees without my seeing them. I count the bees. Even my memories are clearly seen. Whence comes the answer if I'm told I must be aching for my homeland? Had I been dulled in the brain to match my lungs of dust, there'd be no recollection I could trust. Yet I, despite my guilt, despite my grief, watch the Pacific sunset, heaven sent, in glowing colors and in sharp relief, painting the white clouds when the day is spent, as if it were my will and testament, as if my first impressions were my last, and time had only made them more defined. Now I am weak. The sky is overcast here in the English autumn, but my mind basks in the light I never left behind. This next poem is called Rounded with a Sleep. The sun seems in control. The tide is out. Out to the sandbar shimmers the lagoon. The little children sprint, squat, squeal and shout. These shallows will be here until the moon contrives to reassert its influence. And anyway, by then it will be dark. Old now and sick, I ponder the immense ocean upon which I will soon embark, as if held in abeyance by dry land. It waits for me beyond that strip of sand. It won't wait long. Just for the moment, though, there's time to question if my present state of bathing in this flawless afterglow is something I deserve. I left it late to come back to my family. Here they are, camped on their towels and putting down their books to watch my granddaughter, a natural star, cartwheel and belly flop. The whole scene looks as if I thought it up to soothe my soul. But in Arcadia, death plays a role, a leading role. And suddenly I wake to realize that I've been sound asleep here at my desk. I just wish the mistake were rare and not so frequent I could weep. The setting alters, but the show's the same. One long finale, soaked through with regret, somehow designed to expiate self-blame. But still there is no end, at least not yet. No cure, that is, for these last years of grief, as I repent and yet find no relief. My legs are sore, and it has gone midnight. I've had my last of lounging on the beach to see the sweet oncoming sunset light touching the water with a blush of peach, smoothing the surface like a ballroom floor as all my loved ones pack up from their day and head back up the cliff path. This for sure. Even the memories will be washed away, if not by waves, by rain, which I see fall, drenching the flagstones and the garden wall. My double doors are largely glass. I stand often to contemplate the neat backyard my elder daughter with her artist's hand designed for me. This winter was less hard than its three predecessors were. The snow failed to arrive this time, but rain, for me, will also do to register time's flow. The rain, the snow, the inexorable sea, 
I get the point. I'll climb the stairs to bed, perhaps to dream I'm somewhere else instead. All day tomorrow I have tests and scans, and everything that happens will be real. My blood might say I should make no more plans, and when it does so, that will be the deal. But until then, I love to speak with you each day we meet. Sometimes we even touch across the sad gulf that I brought us to. Just for a time, so little means so much. More than I'm worth, I know, as I know how my death is something I must live with now. And this next poem is called Holding Court. Retreating from the world, all I can do is build a new world, one demanding less acute assessments. Too deaf to keep pace with conversation, I don't try to guess at meanings or unpack a stroke of wit, but just send silent signals with my face that claim I've not succumbed to loneliness and might be ready to come in on cue. People still turn towards me where I sit. I used to notice everything and spoke a language full of details that I'd seen, and people were amused, but now I see only a little way. What can they mean, my phrases? They come drifting like the mist I look through if someone appears to be smiling in my direction. Have they been? This was the time when I most liked to smoke. My watch band feels too loose around my wrist. My body, sensitive in every way, save one, can still proceed from chair to chair, but in my mind the fires are dying fast. Breathe through a scarf, steer clear of the cold air, think less of love and all that you have lost. You have no future, so forget the past. Let this be no occasion for despair. Cherish the prison of your waning day. Remember liberty and what it cost. Be pleased that things are simple now, at least, as certitude succeeds bewilderment. The storm blew out, and this is the dead calm. The pain is going where the passion went. Few things will move you now to lose your head, and you can cause or be caused little harm. Tonight, you leave your audience content. You were the ghost they wanted at the feast, though none of them recalls a word you said. And this next pair of poems, one for my father and one for my mother, I wrote much earlier. The first one is called My Father Before Me, and there's a dateline at the top, Saiwan War Cemetery, Hong Kong. At noon, no shadow. I am on my knees, once more before your number and your name. The usual heat, the usual fretful bees, fitfully busy as last time I came. Here you have lain since 1945, when you, at half the age that I am now, were taken from the world of the alive, were taken out of time. You should see how this hillside, since I visited it first, has stayed the same. Nothing has happened here. They trim the sloping lawn and slake its thirst. 
Regular wreaths may fade and reappear, but these are details. High on either side, waves of apartment blocks roll in so far and no further, forbidden to collide by laws that keep the green field where you are, along with all these others, sacrosanct. For once the future is denied fresh ground. For that much, if no more, let God be thanked. You can't see me or even hear the sound of my voice, though it comes out like the cry you heard from me before you sailed away. Your wife, my mother, took her turn to die not long ago. I don't know what to say, except those many years she longed for you, over now at last, and now she wears the same robes of forgetfulness you do. When the dreams cease, so do the nightmares. I know you would be angry if I said I too crave peace. Besides, it's not quite so. Despair will ebb when I leave you for dead once more. Once more, as I get up to go, I look up to the sky, down to the sea, and hope to see them while I still draw breath, the way you saw your photograph of me the very day you flew to meet your death. Back at the gate, I turn to face the hill, your headstone lost again among the rest. I have no time to waste, much less to kill. My life is yours, my curse to be so blessed. And this next poem is to my mother. It's called Occupation Housewife. Advertisements asked which twin has the Tony. Our mothers were supposed to be nonplussed. Dense paragraphs of technical baloney explained the close resemblance of the phony to the expensive perm. It worked on trust. The barber tried to tell me the same Sheila with the same expensive perm was pictured twice. He said the Tony treatment was paint sealer, re-bottled by a second-hand car dealer, and did to hair what strychnine did to mice. Our mothers all survived, but not the perms. Two hours at most, the Tony bobbed and dazzled before the waves were back on level terms, limp as the spear points of the household germs, an avalanche of vim left looking frazzled. Another false economy, home brew, seethed after nightfall in the laundry copper. Bought on the sly, the hops were left to stew into a mulch that grunted as it grew. You had to sample it with an eyedropper. Not stir it with a stick as one mum did. She piled house bricks on top, thinking the gas would have nowhere to go. Lucky she hid inside the house. The copper blew its lid like Krakatoa to emit a mass of foam. The laundry window bulged and broke. The prodigy invaded the backyard, spreading across the lawn like evil smoke. It murdered her hydrangeas at a stroke, and long before the dawn, it had set hard. On a world scale, one hardly needs to note, those Aussie battlers barely had a taste of deprivation. Reeling from the boat came refo women who had eaten goat only on feast days. Still, it is the waste I think of, the long years without our men, and only the Yanks to offer luxuries 
at a price no decent woman thought of then as one she could afford, waiting for when the man himself came back from overseas. And then I think of those whose men did not, my mother, one of them, she who had kept herself for him for so long, and for what? To creep when I had splinters to my cot with tweezers and a needle while I slept. Now comes the time I fly to sit with her where she lies waiting, to what end we know. We trade our stories of the way things were, the home brew and the perm like rabbit fur. How sad, she says, the heart is last to go. The heart, the heart, I still can hear it break. She asks for nothing except his return. To pay so great a debt, what does it take? My books, degrees, the money that I make. Proud of a son who never seems to learn. She can't forget I lost my good pen knife. Those memories of waste do not grow dim when you, for occupation, write housewife. Out of this world, God grant them both the life she gave me and I had instead of him. And now finally, another small poem that I wrote recently. It's called Winter Plums. Two winter plum trees grow beside my door. Throughout the cold months, they had little pink flowers all over them as if they wore night dresses, and their branches, black as ink by sunset, looked as if a Japanese painter, while painting air, had painted these two winter plum trees. Summer now at last has warmed their leaves, and all the blooms are gone. A year that I might not have had has passed. Bare branches are my signal to go on. But soon the brave flowers of the winter plums will flare again, and I must take what comes. Two winter plum trees that will outlive me, thriving with color even in the snow. They'll snatch a triumph from adversity. All right for them, but can the same be so for someone who, seeing their buds remade from nothing, will be less pleased than afraid. Clive James's poem, Rounded with a Sleep, is published in this week's TLS, which also includes John Kerrigan on Geoffrey Hill's Late Spring Flowering, Alex Clark on Peter Matheson, reviews of the psychological writings of Galen, the updated Blake Dictionary, the story of modern pop music, and much, much more. To find out more about the TLS and to read a free selection of pieces from this week's issue, go to our website, the-tls.co.uk. You can read the TLS in full every week in print or via our app, which is available on iTunes and in the Amazon App Store. The TLS. Life in every word. Mom? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.